Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode is a fascinating exploration of factual filmmaking, as director Alexander Nanau is joined by Orlando von Isadel to discuss his masterful documentary, Collective. Orlando quizzed Alexander about his approach to storytelling, the reaction to the documentary, and whether film has the power to create change. This episode was recorded on the very day that Alexander found out he was nominated for the Oscars in Best Documentary Feature and Best International Feature Film. We hope you enjoy. Um, yes, I'm, I'm Orlando. I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. And uh, what a pleasure it is to have Alexander here, um, who, who didn't just get nominated for one Oscar today, he got nominated for two in Documentary and Best international feature, I, Alexander. How are you? How are you feeling? Hi, hi. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. First of all, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a really good thing uh, to to happen uh, for this story because you know since we launched the film, we saw that it connects so many people around the world, and it, it really is of concern for so many societies. Uh, as you know very well now in the UK, since the uh, pandemic has started. Uh, and it's uh, for sure, I mean, at the beginning of the day today, I mean, I was prepared not to be nominated uh, at all because all films are, uh, that were shortlisted are really incredible. Uh, but what a joy. I mean, incredible. We're, we're very happy. What, what's, your, what's, what's your day entailed since you found out? Oh, we had uh, part of the team over. Uh, we watched together the, the, the announcement. Uh, and now uh, behind me, basically, uh, we have most of the protagonists and uh, the whistleblowers uh, with us. Did, did you all watch together? In, uh, <clears throat> we, was everyone in the same room? Uh, yeah, we watched with the team and we, we were on a Zoom call with our extended team at uh, Magnolia and Participant and Doc Wolf uh, and Cinefield. So, yeah, we were all together. Wonderful. Well, ma- ma- massive, massive congratulations, and com- I, I hugely deserved. Um, maybe, maybe we could begin. At, can you tell me how how did this? You know, what was the genesis of this project? Where where did this begin for you, and and, and why why this story? Basically, when when the fire happened, uh, it really shook the country, and uh, it, it was a national tragedy, and it it really felt like. Uh, a turning point and we had uh, instantly you know the widest uh, demonstrations since the revolution in Romania and the thing is that it was for the first time really a very young generation that took the streets a young generation that basically claimed for the political class that was associated with corruption and incompetence and was in a way um, a political class tolerated by their parents' generation, and they claim for the first time for this political class to step back and, and claim back their societies because they wanted to live by, by, by the right values, basically. And at that point, what happened was that at the same time, although we had all these demonstrations, the, the, the health authorities and the politicians basically started a very well-organized Manipulate, manipulation campaign where they said that the Romanian healthcare system is on top of things, that can, they can treat all the burn patients. Uh, and they were basically lying all the time. They even lied that the burn patients were uh, giving surgery in a newly opened burn unit, which basically journalists 
that we follow found out that it was closed down. Uh, and I was looking for a way to do an observational film about what's going on in society and was looking for the right characters to, to shadow and to follow and to see the stories through their eyes because I really believe in, you know, in the power of, of observational. Uh, and uh, although we started also to follow victims and the, the, the parents of, of uh, victims, we realized once we saw the investigations of the journalists we see in the film, uh, we realized that that might be the best way to, to do it through the eyes of investigative journalists that investigate this um, abusive power, basically. I mean, I, th I think one of the really extraordinary, extraordinary things is, it, you know, as, as the film progresses, the kind of revelations that you're discovering as, as a filmmaker and as the journalists are uncovering, it's like you're following, you know, Watergate in unfolding. And there must have been so many moments where you, you, uh, you as the filmmaking team were, were thinking, oh, what, what are we, what is going on? What are we stumbling upon? C can you just talk about how, how that felt? And, and I think from the outside, it looks like luck, but I, you know, I, I strongly believe that if you're there, if you put yourself in those positions for long periods of time, you, you're, you know, luck happens, you sort of make your own luck. But tell me what you think, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the magic of observational, you know, once you focus on something, um, it's incredible how, you know, you merge with things that happen. Uh, and in this case, it was basically, the journalists were not open from the very beginning. So they, the, our first meeting, when I asked them, uh, could we shadow your work? Uh, they rejected it. They said very clearly, you know, a newsroom has to stay a protected space. We have to protect whistleblowers. We have to protect information and our colleagues. So I thought, I, I said to Katalin Tolontan, the, 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 the head of the team, like, I know, but, you know, if, if you happen to, to start a new investigation into the healthcare system, please, you know, give it, a, give it a, a second thought. And he called me one day and said, like, listen, we are onto something, but we don't know if we are right. Uh, I can't tell you what it is, but we can try. And so basically the interesting thing is that once entering this space of the journalists, I became aware that I just want to understand step by step what the work of investigative journalists really is from the moment they get information to the moment, you know, to the high pressure and responsibility to, pub, to, to make information public. Uh, and we didn't know what was happening because they would not tell us. So I had to put the puzzle, puzzle pieces together myself while we were filming, even the thing with the a company that was diluting the disinfectants, I had to put it together myself. So we did not know what will come, but once we were in this vortex, it really felt, basically my, my only thought was, I really have just, you know, I have to take care to capture it in the best cinematic way and manage to pass it over to the viewer uh, with, the, sen with the, the same sense of intensity and emotion that we that we are experiencing while filming it. I, I mean, I find it really interesting talking about the journalism because you're you're. I think most documentary films involve a certain level of journalism, but this film has enormous sort of stakes and there's a real investigative back backbone. Your previous films, Alexander, they're not they're not sort of obvious pieces of journalism in a classical sense. I wanted to know how you've 
manage to do all that with this? Because clearly if you were to get something wrong, there's very powerful people involved. You could have been up for, for libel or the whole, you know, the, the entire state, the, the sort of story and the credibility of the film could be in question. How, how did you navigate that? You know, I see myself as a filmmaker, so I, I'm not a journalist. Uh, and I was aware from the very beginning that I'm, I'm just shadowing the work of journalists, learning from them, uh, learning what their profession implies. Uh, and I never saw myself as more than that. Uh, and in a way, we basically, I was also aware that whatever we will publish will be published two or three years later, because we didn't know for how long we will have to film and, and to edit. Uh, and what we put in, in the film was made public before. But that said, for sure, um, there were stakes for us as filmmakers. Like, I really wanted to be there when they meet whistleblowers. I really wanted, I thought like, good. we saw that in, in fiction films, but we really have to see it one-to-one -one as it happens in real life. How does a journalist meet a whistleblower? How does this relationship happen? And basically we had an understanding with the, with the journalist, they would tell us the day when whistleblowers would come in, like tonight whistleblowers will come in. And they said, you have five minutes to explain to them. And if they let you film them, it's fine. If not, please leave the newsroom and let us do our work. Uh, and we were lucky that this, this courageous women that the, were the whistleblowers that you see in the film uh, accepted that. And what we promised was, uh, I explained the process and that it will take one to two to three years maybe. And that once we have edited the film, we will watch together the, the, their scenes. And at that moment in time, they can decide if they want to go public as being the whistleblowers, uh, which was a huge you know, risk for our production as a whole. But luckily, as you could see, they were courageous enough to say, sure, we're, we're going to go public. That, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, and it's, it's obviously it's great that, that you did that and you had that level of, of trust of them and, and that you, you took the time to do that. I, I want to know about the safety in terms of, for, for them since the film's come out, but also for you guys as a team while you were doing this. Um, yeah, while we were doing that, I mean, we also had our investigative team once we started the development of the project. So we also had contact to whistleblowers inside the system and knew a lot of things. Uh, and I also had a, a source inside the Secret Service that uh, told me that I was surveilled and that my phone was taped. I didn't believe it at first, but then the source just read me read out to me the days and the people I talked to. So that's the moment where I realized, okay, good. So they're really surveilling us. I didn't see that, at, you know, as, a, as, you know, my life would be in danger, but I, I for sure saw it as a danger to the production. So basically we, as a production, we organized uh, in a way that every evening, you know, we would come in into the studio and um, we would copy the, the footage on several sources. And every day, several sources would go into hiding into, into uh, different places that we didn't, also didn't know about. And then from time to time, we would fly out the, the footage out of the country. Uh, that's the way we organized. And the whistleblowers, basically, they are still working where they work. But for sure, uh, they got marginalized in the system. And, you know, 
there is, uh, I learned something, you know, we might have a very um, romanticized view of whistleblowers and what their life is and uh, the level of satisfaction once they really reached, uh, let's say, a, um, a good thing with, with their with blowing the whistle. But the life of whistleblowers is, you know, they do so much good. Like in our case, they saved hundreds, if not thousands of lives by eliminating eliminating this company and really starting uh, a move in, in a whole society and a, a different trust in the press. But they themselves get marginalized. They get, um, you know, um, they get exposed by the partisan press that belongs to the power or is close to the power. And they are shouted uh, out as uh, traitors, uh, you know, as lunatics. So their life is not happy, so to say. Uh, but, you know, I think that the film also offers, in a way, also protection, you know, because they are known, and now the whole world knows about them. How, how, how has the film been received in, in Romania, Alexander? Um, pretty well. I mean, there were for sure, as you can imagine, there were voices and propaganda voices that uh, tried to attack it. But basically, we had two weeks in cinema before they closed down because of the pandemic. Uh, and we really were surprised about uh, the level, the, the age group that was there. And it was, I think, the most viewers were between 16 and 30. Because this is really the generation that needs to have an answer about the society they are gonna spend their life in or not, as you can, you know, you, you feel it in, in, in Britain with the Brexit, you know, how, you know, will we continue here or not? Uh, but the thing is that although we had only two weeks, we had around 25,000 admissions, which is huge for Romania because the bar was set at around 5,000 admissions for a documentary in cinema in Romania. And that, you know, along many weeks. And then once the pandemic hit, we went on with the film to, to on the HBO platform and it became the most viewed film in 2020 on HBO before any Hollywood film. So many, many people have seen it and it became kind of a reference to the point of no return in society where people decided it's, you know, corruption and incompetence, that's enough, we have to change it. And yeah. Fantastic. Um, I, I wanted to talk about your your sort of your method. I mean, I, I I I've read that when you go into a story, you don't have a an idea of what the arc might be from the beginning, and I, and I think that that's quite different to me. I, I I like to come up with something maybe just to make myself feel comfortable and confident. I mean, yeah, I I'm, all, I'm always wrong, and it completely changes. But 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 talk to me about about your your style and, and how you work. Yeah, it's a bit, um, it, the risk is very high. And, um, but it, that's also the attractive thing about it. And the, the, the thing that gives you really, you know, the, the, the strength to go on. Because basically, uh, the most important thing is to decide upon the people you follow. And once you start filming with them, you try to find out, so are these people rich enough in terms of personality, do, does their personality stand up to, to be a, you know, a character lead or a character in, in, a, in a feature length film? And once you, you are sh sure of that, basically you just 
start trusting in your feeling and every morning you get out of the car to film, you think like, okay, so I, I shouldn't try to control this. I just have to see what life brings. And I had to learning along my films because I also, you know, my last film, Toto and His Sisters, was, which is also completely observational, I really had this crisis of, you know, like, I have no clue what's going to happen. You know, like, I don't know if I have a film. Uh, you know, how will I explain it to everybody who invests in this film? And um, But what I do is, in the meantime, I always go with the same sort in every new project. It's like, I know this will be my last film. It will, it will be a catastrophe. So all I can do is trust it and just focus on how I will photograph it in the best possible way and in the most respectful way for the characters I chose to, to shadow for such a long time. I, 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 love, I love hearing that. I mean, I hope there's obviously, there's a lot of pressure on, on people, especially at a pitching stage when they're trying to get funding to be able to say exactly what the film is and have the confidence that they can definitely capture. And I, I, I guess one of the things I hope that comes out of the success of your film is that more people can go in to pitching meetings and say, well, this character is brilliant. We're just going to follow them. And you've got to trust me and trust yeah. the character and trust the world that we're entering rather than me telling you what the, the whole structure is. Uh, on the, uh, jump in. No, no, I, I just wanted to say that, I mean, one of the most important tools for me is that after I filmed for two, three or four months, uh, what I do is I stop and go into my editing room and really take sometimes even a month to edit a, a pitching trailer, something between three and five minutes. And if I, for myself, am able to, um, to concise a, a story in that five minutes, uh, then I'm, I'm, um, I have enough confidence to go out and look for more money or go out and really do the film. So I really have this tool at a certain point, mostly after three, four months in the process where I have to just cut everything off, go into the editing room and understand for myself, is there a film or not? One of the things, Alexander, that I think is so interesting about Collective is, is it's pure observation, observational style. And it's, um, that that's scary I, as, as a filmmaker going it's that's scary it's brave i mean did you even film interviews as a backup uh we did that in the beginning i mean i'm uh i never saw that i would use them but in the very beginning uh also before i have the i had the okay of the journalists we were talking to you know doctors victims Politicians and we, we did interviews and I, 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 you know, I lit them well, just to be sure. Uh, but I never intend to use them. It's, it's a combination of just to be sure and really seeing like who is strong on camera, basically. Questions coming in. So I'm going to ask you some of the questions which, um, which have been asked. Um, how much... How much pressure did the government put on you once it became known you were making this documentary? Uh, they didn't uh, while we were making it. Uh, because I think that even, you know, as I said, they were surveilling us. I think that there is no, there is no real documentary uh, culture, let's say, in Romania. And I think they didn't understand. They didn't understand why somebody is filming all this stuff. 
not releasing anything, uh, being next to the journalists that have the most insight uh, and not releasing things. So I think they just didn't take me too seriously. I know that, they, for example, they called in people from the Ministry of Health to, to ask them about what I am doing there, what, you know, why am I there and what exactly am I filming? Uh, but I think they just didn't understand. So the, the pressure came basically after we, the film became more and more known, also internationally. Uh, you know, first they tried to, to, to stop, you know, to stop the media talk about it. And then the good thing is that Amber has a very clear rule that any country has to nominate the film for the Oscars by an independent committee. So basically it was the Romanian Film Fund who named the committee that was um, made out of five film critics, but they cast a, a secret vote and voted for a film. Once they, they, it was known, they tried to stop the, the, the natural funding for the campaign. They, they looked for any way to, to reverse the decision. Uh, they looked in any ambus rule to try to reverse it. And they were told like, you know, it's, it's already so well known that it will be an international scandal. So then they tried to cut off the funding. That, that were the ways they tried, but I think they, they, they were taken by surprise. They didn't understand what we were doing. I, I, I mean, has there been a dialogue? Have they tried to reach out since? I mean, I, I guess there must be a whole load of upset people somewhere about today's announcement. <laughs> a dialogue? No. Uh, basically, no, no, no. The only politicians that, that uh, wrote to me are politicians that belong to a new generation, new parties that were formed after collective, for party, you know, young people that got into politics and, and really won, won over mayors and are starting to, to fight corruption very openly. And those were the, are the only people that wrote to me, yeah. There's a question here, um, Alexander, about whether or not you direct the scenes in any shape or form when you're filming, or are you purist and just, and just observe? No, I purely observe and I never ask people not even to, you know, stand up again or sit down again or something. So I... I uh, um, I, I really love this process of basically um, winning over people's trust, uh, making them understand that you won't judge them and, and uh, getting them to a point where they really uh, have the courage to be themselves it, in my presence, basically. Uh, and then my job is really the job of a street photographer just to capture in a you know in a in a fast way with available light, uh, the the tension and the emotions that that are in the room. Um, quick question here about your your approach to editing pure observational scenes. Can can you can you talk to us about? I mean, maybe talk to us about the, the edit more general your your style and actually how this film was was edited. Oh, basically, I start from scenes that I also already feel during the, during the filming process that they might contain the core of things. Although I did, I, I cannot put my finger on something. For sure, for this film, for example, I knew what we filmed was really like in real life, uh, what Hannah Arendt describes as the banality of evil, right? So this is, let's say a, a guiding line. 
but then I just start to edit, edit things down to understand things and I start to connect dots by theme or by refer cross-references. But since my last film that already was a multi-character storyline, I basically started to, to understand, you know, how to work with multi-character storylines. And in this film, the, 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 the biggest challenge was what I already knew during the filming was to change main character in the middle of the film. I knew it will be a hard thing to, to, to do, but then I thought like, if life is writing this incredible script already, and I myself feel it as a natural change of character once I have access into the core of power, then there will be a way, or even in the editing room. But it was a long way for sure. It, it took some time to understand what it means to connect the viewer to, to at life attitudes that, that can pass over a baton from one character to the other. How, how long were you cutting for, Alexander? Um, with watching the footage and also watching hundreds of hours of footage from TV stations because we wanted to be objective and really see how other people covered all this one and a half years, uh, uh, it took one and a half years to, to edit it. Yeah, amazing. Um, there's a number of, obviously this is a, a conversation that a lot of directors are, are watching. So there's a lot of questions about funding. Um, can you, you know, especially with an open-ended observational film like this, how, how did you, how easy was it for you to attract funding? Uh, luckily enough, it was not so hard here. I mean, um, we invested our own money and HBO Europe invested some money and our co-producer Samsa Film invested some development money. And then we pitched the project at ITFA in the central pitch. Uh, and we were lucky to get also uh, state funding from our national film fund. Uh, the co-producer got funding then. Uh, the Sundance Institute always supports my project. So uh, the Sundance Institute came on board pretty early. Uh, and luckily enough, it was not so hard to finance this, this project, but for sure it had also to do with the fact that my last film had some resonance. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if my last film wouldn't have had resonance, I'm not sure that anybody would have trusted me with this very complicated theme. How, um, there's, there's, a, there's a question from, from Bill. Um, did you share the, the skepticism about the minister the first time you met him? And, and then how did you earn his trust? Yeah, I did share it. I mean, the, the thing is that my first idea when I thought about making a film was basically the idea to make a film about power. How does power relate to people? And once I saw, I heard that this guy is interviewed for the job. And I, I, I knew that he was independent. He was from outside politics. He was a patient activist. I thought that that might be the chance. And when I met him, I think he accepted after 10 days to meet me. When I met him, I basically met a young man. He was 33 years old that formed a team of, of uh, great professionals around him, young people from around the world, Romanians that emigrated and were all working in, in different health sectors in other countries. And he said like, listen, the most important thing to us is, is transparency. Uh, and we, we strongly believe that we have to give people back the trust in their healthcare system because it's even written in the Romanian constitution that one of the basic right, rights is the right to health. Uh, so I will allow you to film as you like, uh, but be aware that 
most of the people in this ministry will hate us both for this. Uh, and um, that was the understanding. He will let me film. We would ask people when they come in if they want to be filmed. Uh, and um, he never asked for any, and I mean, basically we never basically give protagonists the right to, to, to uh, you know, to have a say in the edit. If it's not about, you know, the safety of people or information that is just, is in, in, the, in, in the ministry, it could be that we filmed by accident information that is a state secret and would put them in, in tr into trouble, but yeah. I, I, I suppose on, on, on that note, Alexander, how, how are the main characters in the film? Uh, you know, how, how's, how are they all doing today? As I said, Romania basically entered after this investigations, really um, a time of change and new political parties were formed and, and young people come to vote and voted uh, this uh, reformative parties in. And the minister we see in the film became part of these parties two years ago. And since last Christmas, he is back in, in office. So he's again the Minister of Health. And we have on a daily basis um, scandals because he's part of a coalition between reformative parties and older parties. And he basically made data transparent and they're working to make everything transparent. And because they made data transparent, the press discovered that there is a political uh, structure that was vaccinated before the essential workers or before, you know, so they used the vaccine to, to vaccinate their families. Uh, and they try to attack him all the time and to bring him down because he's transparent. But luckily enough, the press is strong enough in the meantime, and they feel the pressure of society. So we have to see how long this will work. <clears throat> question of my own. I, I, you know, I think one of the things that spoke to me about the film was sort of seeing all the parallels in it with Britain, you know, and, and other places around the world, and this sort of increasing sense that politicians aren't always, you know, aren't just working for us as citizens, but are working for themselves. Uh, how, how, how much was there a consciousness in, in you while editing that this, this aspect of the film could speak so widely. And I suppose if you began in, in when 2016, this was when there was such a shift in politics in a number of countries. Mm -hmm. Can you talk, talk, talk to us about that? Yeah, so when I started the film also as a filmmaker, um, I thought like, oh, this is really a local story. Who will really care? Because you always think about, you know, what, what can be the outreach of the story you follow. But at the same time, I thought like, I have, you know, I started this, this project and it is such a crucial thing in the Romanian society that I will invest my time and knowledge to do the best film about it. But then basically, while we moved into 2016, the first thing that hit was Brexit, right? So I remember going to bed in the evening, we were like, this will never go through. It's too insane. You know, who could ever believe this, this uh, politicians, Farage and... Uh, the rest of the of the bunch and in the morning my partner woke me up and said like Brexit went through and I was petrified I couldn't get out of bed and that was the moment where, where I understood like Jesus the whole world starts to 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 transform into this politics of populism and um, manipulation and incompetence and the the Trump campaign started to 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 get speed uh 
And so while we were doing that, we, we understood what's, what is happening and that the, this Romanian story really has relevance, a wider relevance. And I, even in the editing room, then I decided to eliminate things where you would see in the newsroom uh, all this, you know, when they were watching politics, world politics, because I thought like, this is something that will transform the world but if we put faces onto it, like Trump, uh, you know, Brexit and so, people might think like, oh, that's a singular thing. And, and it was a constant uh, conscious decision to eliminate basically this thing so that people really can relate to their own systems and to their own societies that start to fail or where the social contract starts to, to be eroded. eroded. You know, the, Alexander, the film is such a powerful sort of documentation of of so many different things in Romania. And, and, and are, you, are you, you know, apart from just screening the film and it having impact in that way, are you actually consciously working with this film to try and change things in, in Romania and, and elsewhere? No, I don't. No, and I don't because I, I really think that, uh, you know, films and our job as filmmakers is really to create a, 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 a very personal relationship of every viewer with a film. And I think that once you start to use it as a tool, I fear we would fail because I really feel that as I go to the cinema uh, or went to the cinema, hopefully will again, um, I always have my such a private relationship every time with every film that I want the same to achieve with my films for every single viewer. But that said, um, it is true that, for example, after we released the film, the number of whistleblowers in Romania exploded. So what we know and what we can measure from the, from the journalists is that the number of whistleblowers, uh, not only the journalists we follow in the film, also other journalists, but the journalists we follow in the film, for example, had before we launched the film around 10 valid uh, uh, whistleblower leads towards corruption, incompetence, uh, and so forth. And once the film was out, that, that went up to 120 per day so that they could hardly, you know, uh, distribute all the things in, in the newsroom. So it, it did influence people and it made, you know, the, the courage of these women, of these whistleblowers, did inspire people, but it was never, I never thought about it like, oh, let's do a film to change things. I just think that our job is to bluntly show reality in, in, in the most um, authentic way. But, but, it, but are you changed then from this experience? Because, you know, the, the film, a lot of the films that I work on, are, you know, I, I, I do work with them and we to try and, I mean, not every film, but some films when there's an issue that's at the heart of them, we work with the film to do that. And so I, I hand on my heart, do believe films can change things. But I, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people don't believe that at all. How, how do you feel having gone on this, this journey? Oh, I think that it can change people. I, I mean, I don't mean that I don't believe films can change things. I don't think that we should start by thinking that, oh, let's, let's make a film that can be a lesson. Because basically, whatever you put into a film is yourself, right? And the way every film I do, and also this observational way of doing it, is basically because I just have questions. I just want to learn things. And I think that 
the most honest thing is just to let these questions open for the viewers and not give answers in a way. So I do think that, sure, films can be inspiring. Films can, but, you know, some people will change, like, they will become whistleblowers. Uh, and others, like uh, younger people, for example, that write to me that say they want to go into journalism now, or, you know, other people will be changed in 15 years from now. They will remember something that made them connect with it or so. So, I, sure, it's such a powerful tool. Um, I, I got a, a question from, um, from Josh. He says, um, you should win the Oscar. Um, obviously, <laughs> obviously, it'd be great for you and the team and Romanian cinema. Um, but do you think those in government who have tried to frustrate you getting the Oscar, will they change their tune if you bring the prize home? Um, it's hard to say. I, I think that from my experience, um, they are just, you know, some people, even if they're young politicians, they're just too poisoned already. I think that the, the best thing that can happen is that they they can feel the pressure from the people that appreciate the, 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 the characters of the film and what the characters have done. But although I do think, and I think that's visible in the film, that all of us at any point in our lives have, the, have basically the decision about a, their life attitude. At any point in time, we can decide upon our life attitude. At the same time, during documentary films since, since several years now, I also think in a way that from a certain point on, people can't be really changed. Alexander, I think we've, we've run out of time, um, but I, I guess on behalf of everyone who's, who's tuned in, thank you so much. I, I wish you a lot of luck over the next few weeks. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you all very much for attending. Go and celebrate. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.